in Luke chapter eight, verse 15, he said, but the ones that fell on good ground, say it, good ground. The ones that fell on what? Good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and a good heart. Notice that good ground, good heart. What do they do? Keep it. They keep it. Or you could say they guard it. And if they keep it and guarded, what happens? They bear fruit with patience. There's that time thing again. Good ground is ground that it can go deep into over time. But listen to it from the King James Bible. Chapter 8, verse 15, King James says, But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. What kind of heart? Honest. An honest heart. So Jesus said, if you've got a pure heart, you get to see God. Or for the sake of what we're talking about, if you've got a pure heart, you get to see God work. You get to see God move. You get to see God do things he can't do just for everybody else. You get to see his word produce fruit with a pure heart. So what's a pure heart? Well, you could look at this and say a pure heart, think about it in terms again of a garden or, or, or an issue, a spring coming out of you. If it's pure, if you got a glass of pure water, what are you saying? There's nothing else in here, just the water. But then if you ask for a cold drink of water and somebody gives you this glass and it's a little murky and kind of a brownish gray color with stuff floating in it, what do you say? No, thank you. Why? Because there's something else in that. Yeah, there might be some water in there, but there's also some other things. And I don't know what they are, but I'm looking for something clean. I'm looking for something pure with nothing else in it. Do you realize that's what honesty is? It's purity. It's your word. It's the truth not mixed with anything else. The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Pure, honest. So a pure heart is an honest heart. And with an honest heart, what happens? You get to see God. And really, there's a word that I'm, I'm trying to get at here that, that I think best communicates what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about seeing God, I'm talking about intimacy. Get to see him in a way that others don't. Intimacy. With those close relationships in your life, your family, your spouse, man, you get to see them in a way that others don't. You get to see them without without them trying to impress anybody, without them so focused on the outward appearance. Am I right? There's intimacy there. And how do you say it, Lord? Intimacy requires honesty. You don't have intimacy without honesty. There's no way. As long as there's something hidden, as long as there's something you're withholding, even if it's from your husband or your wife, that is the limit to your intimacy. 
you can be as close to them as you are willing to be real with them. And this is what God's looking for. All you got to do is take a look at a few different scriptures and you find out how much he hates lying. He hates falseness. He hates fakeness. He hates pretense and pretending. Why? Because there's none of it in him. The book of Proverbs gives you, gives you a list. It says, these six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. Now, when you make a list of all the stuff you don't like, I bet it's longer than seven. And this is God we're talking about. It's a relatively short list. But go back and look at it. Lying makes the list twice. So two out of the top seven stuff that God hates, a lying tongue and those who bear false witness. He hates lying. Why? Because there's none of it in him. There's no darkness in him. It's pure light. There's no, there's no fakeness in him. It's pure truth. And however close you want to be to him, however intimate you want to be, whatever level of intimacy you desire, that's the level of honesty you're going to have to live with. That's why Ephesians says, put away lying. Man, you got to put it away. It's the same word Paul used in, in 1 Corinthians 13 when he talked about you and I growing up. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. There are some things that when you're a child, you grow out of. You notice that? You grow out of it. Mostly it's clothes. There's, there's stuff. My mom's got a box of clothes at her house right now from when I was four years old. I can't wear a single thing out of that box. I grew out of it. There are other things though, listen to me, that if you don't put them away, they'll hang around forever. And you will be a 35, 45, 55 year old child because you failed to put some childish things away. That's the same word he used when he said put away lying. You got to put it away because there's none of it in him. None of that. And if you want to see him, when others don't, there can be none of it in you. Now, if you're telling a lie, if there's a lie coming out of your mouth, the only reason it's coming out of your mouth is because it first got where? In your heart. So telling lies is the result of believing lies. You don't tell a lie until you first believe one. And the quicker you are to believe a lie, guess what? The quicker you are to tell one. The easier it is to convince you of a lie, the easier it'll be for you to tell a lie. And you and I have probably a more unique challenge in this area than all of human history past. Because the world we live in is full of fake. And they are trying to sell it to you and sell it to me big time, all day, every day. And the sad truth is many people are buying into it so much so that they couldn't even tell you the difference between what was real and what's fake. You got to feed on what's true. You got to get what's true in you. If you want what's true coming out of you, go to Mark chapter seven. Let me read a few verses to you here in Mark chapter seven. And you begin to get a sense of just how Jesus feels about this falseness, this, well, let me just read it. You'll see what I'm saying. Just begin in verse one. 
Mark 7 verse 1 says, The Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is with unwashed hands, they found fault. You want to know why they found fault? Because they were looking for it. They were looking for it. And when you spend all your time looking for it, guess what you're going to do? Find it. And that's what these people were, professional fault finders. And they saw some of his disciples again, verse two, eat bread with defiled, or you could say unclean hands, that is with unwashed hands, and they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat. They won't do it unless they wash their hands, listen to this, in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Man, sometimes I feel like things are just kind of coming around and history's just repeating itself. I am a full grown man. And do you know I've got, it's rare to go into a public restroom without a sign now telling me how to wash my hands. The current condition of this world, how many times over the last year have you been told over a loudspeaker or by others on television, wash your hands for 20 seconds. You wash them for 18, you're going to hell. Or you'll get sick, one of the two. Wash them, wash them this way, wash them this often. Folks, help me. Do we have these people living among us today? Here's what you're looking for. Outward stuff. So it wasn't even that the disciples ate without washing their hands. They just didn't wash them the way they said to. Outward stuff. Outward stuff. And they found fault with this. In verse 4, when they came from the market, or it says when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. Got to get that marketplace off you. And there are many other things which they have received and hold like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, couches. It's kind of an interesting translation. Just literally means what they would recline at, that piece of furniture they would recline at when they eat. These folks were, lack of a better word, obsessive, (laughs) compulsive over the washing. Washing, washing, washing. You have to have clean hands. God's looking at your hands. God's looking at your hands. Did you wash them right? Did you wash them long enough? Go back and wash them again. Go back and wash them again. Did you wash that cup? Don't drink out of that cup. Did you wash that cup? God's looking at that cup. He's looking at those hands. Help me. Is he? What's he looking at? The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders and eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? Hypocrites. This word hypocrite is literally, it's a Greek word. You look up, look up that word in the original and it's the same word, hypocrite. It's a Greek word. And it's the word they used for an actor, an actor, playing a part, a role he was born to play on a stage. It's like watching a movie and walking out and going, man, that guy's a good hypocrite. <laughs> That's what you're saying. 
You see her? She is an excellent hypocrite. And this year's best hypocrite award goes to... It's the same word. An actor on a stage playing a role, playing... Listen, this is the definition. Playing the part of something they're not. A hypocrite. So you know what Jesus said to these guys? You're actors. You're reading a script. You're playing a part. But you're not this. This is not you. He said, Isaiah prophesied this about you. He said, this people honor me with their lips. But what? Their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Vain worship, you know what vain means? Powerless, producing nothing. Like something getting sown on a piece of ground that can't produce anything. See, worship is supposed to produce something. Your worship is supposed to be powerful. Your worship is supposed to still the enemy. Your worship is supposed to open up the door of access to go to work in your heart, your home, your family. Because what you worship, you give access to. What you attend to. But Jesus said, you're doing all of it with your lips, but your heart's somewhere else. It's not here. I don't know where it is, but it ain't here. You got all the words down. It's like memorizing a script. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Uh, line? Oh, I worship you, I worship you. God, you're awesome. God, we praise you. All these things sound great, don't they? If it ain't nothing but the outside, then it ain't nothing. If it's nothing but outward appearance, then it is nothing. It's vain and producing nothing. He said, your heart's far from me. You think he's looking at hands and pots and pitchers, but he's looking at the heart. He said in verse eight, the laying aside of the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and mother and he who curses father and mother, let it be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father, mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban or that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. That's like saying the the word said, be a blessing to your father and mother. But tradition says, well, I gave in the offering, so I don't don't have to do anything for you. And they held on to tradition more than the word. And what happens was Jesus said in verse 13, making the word of God of no effect. It's not producing anything. Why? Because your heart's not in it. All the right words are coming out of your mouth. All the right things are coming off your lips, but your heart is somewhere else and the word's producing nothing. It's not working in your life. Let me ask you again. If you're not seeing God, is it a God problem? I never see him. I never see the word work. I never see all this healing they're talking about. I never see any of this provision I hear preached every week. Careful. You're revealing your own heart. There's something going on in the heart. Verse 14, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. There's nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. 
But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him or are unclean because of it. He's talking about an impure heart. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he, had, when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, it's eliminated, pur- eliminated purifying all foods. He said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. It's not the washing of the hands. And I th- maybe we understand that, but what have we replaced that with? Because the Bible said there are many that have a form of godliness, but deny the power. What have we gotten good at putting on the outside when your heart's somewhere else? And you got to watch this. You have got to set up a guard over this. And I'm telling you this morning, if something's not working, if you've been expecting to see God do something and it's been days, weeks, months, and years and it's like, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. Run right back here. Check this right here. Where is the heart? Where is it? Find it. All the right things. I'm saying all the right things. Right? I'm coming to church. I'm worshiping. I'm dancing. I got that Holy Ghost jig. I mean, I'm praising and it ain't doing nothing. I'm not seeing anything. Well, Jesus said the pure in heart would see. And what's purity? Honesty. If you want intimacy, it requires honesty. People think so much of the time that it's their sin that builds a wall between them and God. I've just done so many things wrong. I've just missed it in so many different ways. And I did it again yesterday. And I just, just got this wall between me and God. Man, it's almost laughable because when you think like that, you fail to realize the power in the cleansing blood of Jesus. Sin can't put a wall between you and God. But what can put a wall between you and God is pretending that there is none. Pretending that you didn't sin. Pretending that you didn't miss it. Are you following me? There can be no pretense There can be no pretending. In Luke chapter 20, you don't have to turn there. Verse 20 though in the New Living Translation said, uh, watching for their opportunity, talking about these same religious people, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. If you're pretending to be honest, what are you? Not honest, dishonest. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so they could arrest him pretending to be honest. So the title of this message today is let's be honest. And that's it. Let's be honest. What do you suppose would happen if we were honest? Let's be honest. Let me just give you a few scriptures here in closing. Let's be honest with each other. Ephesians 4.25 says, I mentioned this earlier, therefore putting away lying Let each one of you speak the truth 
with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let's be honest. You want intimacy in your relationships? Let's be honest. Now, that does not mean you get this green light to go say everything you see and everything you find wrong and everything you find fault with. Don't jump in that Pharisee camp. That's not what this is at all about. Be honest with what you see in you. Be honest with what's going on in your own heart. Be honest with each other. Let's be honest with ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse three, the new living says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Notice what he said. Be honest. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Be honest. You know, you got, you got to be honest about who you are. You got to be honest about where you are. Brother Keith Moore, our pastor, I've said it so many times. I heard him say it and it stuck with me. He said, God will meet you where you are, but not where you pretend to be. He'll meet you where you are, but not where you pretend to be. You know, when you get a hold of the truth, when anybody gets the truth, it does one of two things. It either makes you glad or it makes you mad. That's what the truth will do. I was looking at this in scripture. If we had time, we'd look at it. Maybe some other time. You can come back. You still go to church here next week? Because you like your church? Oh, you love your church. Okay. So you come more than every once in a while? Because you like it? You love it. I see. Okay. That makes me feel good. But I was reading this. What was that, Lord? Um, it was John chapter 8. Jesus had just been interrupted in his message by the Pharisees. Again, looking for people looking to find fault in him. They, they brought this woman they said they had caught in adultery. Interesting, they just brought her. You can't commit adultery by yourself. It's, it's group act, well, whatever. They brought her and threw her down and uh, said, you know, Moses said we stone her, what do you say? And Jesus just began to wait. Wait on the wisdom of God. Wait on a word from God. Wait on the witness of the Spirit. And he stood up and said, he who among you is without sin, let him throw the first stone. So if any one of these guys had dared to throw a stone at this woman, it would have just proved total dishonesty. And that's why they dropped those rocks and walked away. Jesus went from that and he said something that made the rest of those leaders standing there mad. He said, I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. And he began to talk to them about truth. And he began to talk to them about how the truth was in him and how uh, he was true because of the witness and how th that he was a witness of the father and the father was a witness of him. And it went on verse after verse after verse. And these guys fought him at every turn. Who's your father? Where's your father? Who's your daddy? You talking father? Let me see him. Lord, where's he at? And Jesus just keeps talking to him and they keep fighting him. And then he talks about going away and they said, will he commit suicide? These guys are not tracking. They don't know what's going on. They're fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And he just keeps talking it, talking it, talking it. And you get to the end of it. And you know what it says? And many of them believed. Now, many is not all. But many did. Now, this is the same group that was just fighting it. But here's what I'm saying to you. 
if you'll just keep listening, if you'll just keep getting the truth in you, even if it makes you mad, even if the word of God shines a light on you and you see you ain't been living that, you ain't been talking that, you, mm, but you just keep hearing it and you feed on truth instead of lies. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.